Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you've had a good day. You know, you have some days that are very challenging and other days kind of are breezy. And I don't know what kind of day you've had. I think I've had a little bit of a mixture of both. A little breezy, a little challenging. So it's always good to focus our attention on the promises and the words of Jesus because they give life and they give it abundantly. That's what we're going to talk about today with my guest, Jeff Verdorn. We're going to continue our series on who is this Jesus? I think we're in part 12 already. So we've been having a a really a great study with this. And uh, Jeff is a friend and Bible teacher and always glad to have Jeff on. You may know him from Tuesdays or from Guide Talk on Thursdays. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Bill. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. We're going to get into the teachings of Jesus some more. I think that's where we left off last time in part 11. Now I think we're at 12 already, aren't we? We are. I can't believe we're already up to 12. And last time we focused on some teachings of Jesus and some parables. I think we're going to pick it up today with uh, the parable of the sower. We are. So you're right. Right. Last time we were talking about some of the different parables of Jesus. We can't cover them all, but we got to a good number last time. So if you want to listen to that, you can go back and listen to that program. But today I wanted to start. uh, One of the themes that we covered last time, by the way, was that many of the parables their main point or the main theme, the main teaching of the parable is salvation. So as I look at about 40 parables in Scripture, I count about 33 or 34 of them that deal directly with salvation. So those are some of the parables that we looked at last time. This time, I want to look at one of the parables that doesn't talk about salvation per se, but talks about fruitfulness, and that is the parable of the sower. Okay. How about I read uh, several verses to get us started? Perfect. All right. I am in Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, The plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So that's the parable. We uh, Obviously, this is probably familiar with most of your listeners. There are four types of seeds described. But in this parable, this parable is actually a little special because Jesus goes on to actually explain the parable for us. So if you could keep reading in Luke chapter 8, just a couple verses down, start in 11 where Jesus says this is the meaning of the parable. Uh, till to how long? Because I don't know if this is in my oh, contract. <laughs> I agreed to the first one, but through fifteen, that's only uh, five verses. Uh, yeah, five verses though. All a little right, longer me, verses. Let, let me give it a try here. This is the meaning of the parable: the seed 
is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. All right, so let's start looking at this parable and its interpretation and try to find the truth, the core truth that is being communicated here. So first of all, the farmer, I believe we can all agree that that's the preachers of the word of God. The seed is the word of God, and the seed falling on soil is different people. It's the it's different people. In fact, it's different people's hearts. Now, the common interpretation, as this is often taught, is the first seed on the path that Satan takes away, the bird takes away, and Jesus tells us later that Satan takes it away. I believe they are unbelievers. The seed never goes into the soil of their heart. It never germinates. There's no new life coming from that seed. And so most commentators agree that seed number one is an unbeliever. It's seed two and three where there's some debate, whether or not they represent believers who are unfruitful or unbelievers or people that believed for a while and then lost their salvation. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Number four, of course, is the seed that goes into good soil and it bears fruit. That's something God wants us all to do is to bear fruit for him. And therefore, they are believers. And I think, again, most commentators would agree with that. So, Jeff, are we talking about fruitfulness or are we talking about salvation? Yeah, I think the theme here is fruitfulness. Okay, all right. All right, so that's what we're going to focus on today. So I believe seed number one, let's walk through this. I believe this is an unbeliever. The seed, the word of God, comes to a person. It doesn't go into their heart. There's no germination. They're not a believer. Hebrews 4, 2 says this, For we also had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message that they heard was useless to them or no value to them, because they did not combine it with faith. Mm-hmm. So they heard the word, but it, they never received the word. They never combined the word with faith, and therefore they were unsaved. The message was worthless to them. Now, second and third seed. I actually believe that the second and third seeds are believers. In both cases, The seed goes into the soil and it germinates. There's new life. There's new growth. There's a plant that starts growing in both the second seed in the rocky soil and the third seed in the in the weedy soil. We see this in the script in the the description itself. It says it sprang up quickly. Uh, They received it with joy. Verse twenty in what you just read in Matthew it says it grew up. It came up. Verse thirteen you read it says. They believed. So I think this idea that there's new life from this seed is a picture of the person being born again. But then we run into this part where it says in verse 13, you said they believed for a while, 
but in time of testing, they fall away. Oh, well, what does that sound like? The Greek here is the Greek word episteme, and it means to draw or fall away, to refrain or with, to withdraw oneself, to withdraw or to withdraw oneself. This is key. I think this is exactly the tendency of some Christians that when persecution comes, it says when persecution comes, they fall away. But I think the message there is not that they lose their salvation. They fall away in terms of withdrawing, epistemy. They, they shrink back. They withdraw. How many times have you seen a Christian, they come to faith in Christ, they're really excited, they go to work or something, and they say, hey, I've become a Christian, and everybody at work says, oh, you don't believe that stuff, do you? Oh, why do you? Why in the world can you be so duped? Are you yeah. now going to become a Bible we, thumper? We had you smarter than that. Yeah, you got to be smarter than that. As one of our ex-governors said, he said, Christianity is a crutch for weak-minded people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That was one of our governors who in said that. In the state that. of Minnesota. In the state of Minnesota. Yeah. So fall, remember, fall away does not mean to lose salvation. It means to withdraw, shrink back. That is exactly, in fact, the next passage right after this parable in Luke is this, this, it's not a parable, but this metaphor about letting your light shine before men. I think that is a common reaction that when we get persecuted in the name of Christ, we tend to not let our light shine. We tend to not do good deeds for God. We tend to not proclaim his name and we shrink back. We withdraw. Fall away does not mean that you lose your salvation because over and over and over again, and we've talked about this many times on air, once you are born again, you have true biblical assurance of your salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, Jeff, I would love to talk about some of these in more detail. So the, the... the seed that's scattered on on it, and they say it fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Mm-hmm. So that didn't get into the soil. But the next one um, fell on rocky ground. So there was some, apparently there was some soil, but the plants withered because they had no moisture. So was there a, a chance for it succeeding? Was there ever a chance for that to succeed? It's like if, if, I, if you say, I need to take a shower, and I go, yeah, I can use the shower in my basement, and you get in there, and there's only six drops of water that come out, you're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm going to say to you, how was your shower? You're going to go, yeah. that's the worst shower ever. Six drops of water came out. It was out. terrible. Would you have said you had taken a shower? You uh, would say, no, I didn't take a shower. No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to paint a picture. So I'm using the fall away. Uh, which is in, I understand that's in the third seed, but I'm going to end up describing the second seed in the rocky soil and the third seed in the weedy soil in the same way. Remember, they both germinated, they both grew up, but now they are not growing. They are not maturing. They are not bearing fruit. So I am going to group the second and the third seed together as the same type of Christian. I think they are born again. Remember, the seed germinated and and started to grow, but something has stunted their growth. In the second seed that you were just describing in the rocky soil, it's not being fed and cared for properly, and therefore the growth just isn't there. And in the third soil, the growth seemed to be there, but now it's being choked out. Something's holding it back. 
And in the case of the third seed, we saw that it was persecution. Mm-hmm. Persecution comes and they withdraw. They shrink back. Yeah. They don't let their light shine. So hold on to that thought. I think it's going to become clear. But I wanted to wrap up this fall away thing for a second because okay. a lot of people say that fall away means that they lose their salvation. I'm a fir- Like I said, I'm a firm believer that they have assurance. But we see this idea of falling away a couple different places in Scripture. For example, in one is Galatians 5, we see you are not trying, you, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, there are some that say, well, that's people who have lost their salvation. And I say, no, 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 no. I think that's people who are saved, who are returning to the principles of the law. In contrast, they should be living under the system of grace, and therefore, Paul says, you've abandoned grace and are trying to return back to the law. Mm. That's not the way to live, Paul says. You've fallen away from grace. So this is not a loss of salvation. It's turning back to the old way of the law instead of living in the new way of grace. In fact, in verse 1 in Galatians, it says, it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. In verse 6, he says, it's faith expressing himself through love. That's the new way we are to live, not by the letter of the law. And I love in verse 9, he says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A little law spoils the whole batch of grace. Amen. Jeff Verdorn is my guest, and we're going to return with our series on Jesus. It's called, Who is This Jesus? And we'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. The way they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you never win. You never win. But the voice of truth Jeff and I are continuing his study called Who Is This Jesus? And we're in episode number 12. So we've got all kinds of uh, study on this uh, topic. And we're uh, talking about about fruitfulness today or lack of fruitfulness, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of the topic of the parable of the sower, which you did a really nice job talking about, Jeff. Well, and you did a really nice job reading it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. So, Would you like me to read some more? <laughs> I, I would. We're okay. going to read another passage. Because what we're seeing now is that seeds two and seed three are very much the same. The seed takes root, it grows, but something's holding it back. They're unfruitful, they're fruitless. And so the core question today as we look at this parable is, is there such a thing as a Christian who is fruitless? Can you be born again but not bear fruit for Christ? There are some who want to teach, and it's a phrase, and I don't care for the phrase. It says, if there's no fruit, there's no root. And it basically means if we can't see fruit in your life, then there's no root, there's no faith, there's no genuine conversion there, and therefore you must not be saved. That's how that teaching goes. Mm -hmm. But I want you to read a passage from Peter 
Second Peter, that actually says you can be a born-again Christian and be fruitless. So would you read Second Peter 1? Ooh, that's kind of controversial. Yeah. It, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but, yeah. Well, it's commonly taught that you have to have fruit if you're a true born-again believer. Mm-hmm. And I argue that we're saved by faith, not by fruit. Right. Let me repeat that. We are saved by faith. In fact, over and over and over in Scripture, we know that salvation comes by faith. If you want to add fruit as evidence, as a condition, I should say, for that salvation and say you also have to have fruit in order to be saved, well, you've just added something, I believe, to the simple equation of salvation, which is if you have faith, God will save you. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want you to bear fruit. He certainly wants you to bear fruit. And that's what we're going to study today, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not a condition of your salvation. Good distinction. So read 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. All right. For this uh, very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Doesn't that kind of sound like the fruit of the Spirit, by the way? It does. The more you have the fruit of your, the Spirit, then what happens? So keep reading mm-hmm. verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words... In other words... Fruitless. Fruitless, yeah. So what Peter is saying is you can be a born-again Christian and be ineffective and unproductive in your Christian walk. You can be fruitless. Not only... that, I think that is exactly what seeds number two, the seed in the rocky soil, and the seed number three, the seed in the... in the weedy soil, being mm-hmm. choked out. I think that's exactly what this verse is describing, is Christians who are born again who are not bearing fruit for God. Not only do I believe that seeds number two and number three are Christians, I believe that's much of the church. Mm. I think much of the church is number two and number three. They are Christians. They are born again. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, but they're living in this world They're being ineffective and unproductive. They're not growing. They don't have the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And they're not bearing fruit for God. And I think that's the picture of seed number two and number three. So what do they need? They need care. They need feeding. They need nurturing. They need pruning. Oh, we're going to get to John 15 here in a minute. They need some pruning. They need some lifting up. They need some care in the church to get help them to grow, to help them mature so that they could mature and grow and be fruitful for God and be like that fourth seed. Hmm. Sounds like they also need faith radio. Huh. I'm just saying. Well, this, Bill, your show has been a blessing to so many. This radio station has been a blessing to many. You guys are proclaiming truth and teaching uh, around the globe now through the app and uh, and through the internet. Amazing. Yeah. And I is. just think that's wonderful. So here's verse 9. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. 
Yeah, so they've been cleansed from their past sins. Believers. Believers, yeah. Believers. We at we are the only category of people, those who are saved, who have been cleansed from their past sins. I know this whole faith versus fruit debate is, it goes on in the church. And in fact, we see it, especially when we see James 2, 17, where it says, faith without works is dead. And they interpret dead as meaning unsaved. And so oftentimes we see this debate play out that, well, if you have faith, but if you don't have works, then you must not be saved. You must be dead. Well, this word dead in James 2 is the Greek word nekros, and it can mean without dead, physically dead, number one. It can mean spiritually dead, as in unsaved. But it can also mean, number three, destitute of force or power, inactive or unproductive. Oh, wait a minute here. So which definition is correct? Well, they're clearly not physically dead. I suppose they could be spiritually dead, but that goes against every teaching that Paul has told us that we are saved by faith. So if you have faith, you've been made alive. It has nothing to do with your works. Nothing. You're saved by faith. So I think James, what he means is that third definition, that faith without works is destitute of force, of power. It is unproductive. Just like seed two, just like seed three, Mm -hmm. just like Peter said that if you don't possess these qualities, you will be ineffective and unproductive in your Christian walk. Never forget that we enter into the kingdom of God through faith in Christ, period. Now that we're saved by faith, he wants us to bear fruit. If you're in seed number, if you, if no, seed number two or seed number three, Christian, describes what your Christian walk looks like, God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to grow in the faith and knowledge of him and grow up and start bearing fruit for him. That, I think, is the lesson of the parable of the seeds. And if we actually look at the vine and the branches, I think John 15 and the vine and the branches also paints this picture really well about being fruitful because it talks about Jesus being the true vine, us being the branches. Uh, The father is the the gardener, it says in verse 1. And then he says this. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. I think we need to pick this up after the break. We can't gloss over this quickly, Jeff, because I think this is a, a verse that a lot of people have read, and it has, uh, I don't know if they have embraced its context and understood what the Greek is saying and understood what the passage means. So we'll do our very best to uh, talk about that when we return. Uh, we are continuing our series called Who Is This Jesus?, Jeff Verdorn is our teacher, and we're just uh, in probably episode 12 right now and having a great time. Mm. So if you've missed any of this, I'm sure they're all available on the website. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back.
a mysterious star in the sky. It's bright like one and shines like one. A baby lying in a manger. There he is, after all this time. And a fulfilled promise. You will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. In Fulfillment is a biblical audio drama, over 40 voice actors, and the fulfilled moments of Jesus' life. Search In Fulfillment wherever you listen to podcasts, or just go to MyFaithRadio.com. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. It is the Afternoon Show. And I am so glad to have Jeff Verdorn in studio. You may know him as a regular guest on my show, also one of the premier um, members of the Guy Talk panel. So I was glad to have Jeff on. And Jeff, as we continue to discuss uh, uh, fruitfulness, I think we're going to head over to John chapter 15 next. Yeah, so right before the break, we started talking about transitioning to John 15 and the and the exhortation from Christ to be fruitful, to bear fruit for him. So I thought we'd take a, a, a look at John 15 in light of what we just talked about with the parable of the sower. So if you could read, do you want to read John 15, 1 through, say, 6? Yes, I would be happy to. Um, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branch, branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So let's work backwards on right. this one. The branches that are gathered up and thrown in the fire and burned is clearly a picture of hellfire, right? These are branches that are not connected to the vine. So the question is, why are they thrown into the fire? They are thrown into the fire. Uh, Yes, they don't bear fruit. They're not fruit-bearing branches, but they are thrown in the fire not for not bearing fruit, but because they are not connected to the vine, Because at the start of the parable, it said that he prunes branches that are connected to the vine so that they would become more fruitful. In other words, there are branches connected to the vine that are not bearing fruit, just like the parable of the sower in seeds number two and number three. And if you think about it, if you know anything about vines, grape growing and so on, Sometimes these vines don't bear fruit. They're too busy growing leafy stuff. So the gardener will come around and trim off some of the green stuff so that it will start actually using energy to produce fruit. Well, there's your picture if you know agriculture. But one more picture. There's this troubling phrase in verse 2 that says, he cuts off 
every branch in me that bears no fruit. Ooh. Now, some teach that if you don't bear fruit, Jesus is going to cut you off from the vine based on this passage. It sounds that way, doesn't it? It does. And in English, it does sound that way. And that is where we get that phrase we talked about earlier, where there's no fruit, there's no root. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have any fruit, if we don't see fruit in your life, then obviously you cannot be a believer in Christ Jesus. You can't be born again because there's obviously no fruit. I would argue, by the way, that we are all terrible fruit inspectors, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we know that certain people, we can see their fruit very easily. Uh, You look at a Billy Graham or somebody like that, a super evangelist, a strong teacher, uh, many of the people that are on your radio program that I hear throughout the day, they are bearing fruit for God, and they're easy to spot. A good tree produces good fruit. In the same way, those who aren't connected to Christ, the bad trees, they bear bad fruit. And we can see that too. We can see the evil and, and stuff in the world very easily. But there's this middle category where there's a whole bunch of people that I call some cultural Christians. They think they're Christians because they live in America, although they're not truly saved. And what I call couch potato Christians, those who are actual believers in Christ, but they don't look very different from the world in which they live. One group's not saved. The other group is saved. But from the outside... When we're looking at them, both of those groups look very similar because we can't see their heart. We can only see their deeds. So in a, in a, in a way, it's okay to challenge somebody. If you know somebody that you don't see any fruit in their life for God, it's fine to challenge them and say, hey, Bill, I'm not seeing any fruit in your life. Are you sure you're saved? Why do you think you're saved? Well, we know the only answer to that is I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But if they profess that with the, their mouths and they believe it in their hearts, well, then they are saved. So we are to encourage them and equip them to go out and bear fruit. All right, back to John. Sorry, I got off on that. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. This word cuts off in the Greek is the Greek aro, A-I-R-O, aro. And it means primarily to lift up, not to cut off. I do not know why English translators have insisted to translate this as cuts off when the primary meaning of aro is to lift up. Now, let me read this verse again with, I think, a more proper definition of the Greek aro. He lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit. Oh, and he also prunes, right? The next line, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. That is God's goal. If you're a branch on a vine and you're laying down in the dirt and you're not bearing fruit, the picture is is God's going to come along, lift you up, tie you off, prune you so that you might bear fruit. It, there, it's not possible for John for 14 chapters in the book of John to say, if you believe you have eternal life, if you believe you have eternal life. And then he gets to John 15 and says, by the way, if you don't have any fruit, you're going to get cut off and you don't have eternal life. <laughs> yeah. that's. I just don't believe that's what mm-hmm. John is saying here. That's a pretty tough translation, though, for the translators to say he cuts off and 
and the Greek word is lifts up. It's like that's a that's a big miss. It is a big miss. There are the alternate definitions of aro are things like he lifts up and carries away or carries off. Um, and there is an idea that you can cut off or take away and carry it away. So those are also potential definitions of this Greek word aro. So I, I, I know the basis. I guess I understand the basis for which they get this. But doctrinally, theologically, Christ will never cut off a true branch in him. You cannot lose your salvation. This is true assurance of salvation that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. To, to, he says he gives you the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in Christ Jesus. He says our salvation is kept in heaven for us, shielded by his power until that day. Over and over and over, God says that what he began he will complete. We have an inheritance. He's made us children of God, and we know that we know that we know that we have eternal life. That's true assurance. So when God says, if you believe, God will give you eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, John three thirty six. So when we get to John 15, it's not suddenly, yeah, but if you have no fruit, then there must not be any root. No, I just don't agree with that. Newsflash, we are saved by faith, not by fruit. And I think that's the big headline of this parable. We're saved by faith, not by fruit, but God wants us to be fruitful. All right. It certainly sounds like something um, a gardener would do or a loving father would do. It does, lift doesn't it? you up. And I think if you're a the father is the vine dresser, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And if you are caring for all those branches that are connected to the vine, yep. then you are going to lift them up and prune them and try to make them fruitful. It's the branches that are not connected to the vine right. that are the unbelievers. It's the seeds that don't germinate and don't grow up. Those are the ones that are the unbelievers. So look, every single Christian in Christ uh, should be fruitful. But there is a full spectrum of fruitfulness in believers' lives. And like I said earlier, I think the picture is actually that most of the church is actually represented by the second seed and the third seed of not being very fruitful you know, Jeff, for Christ. It might be fun sometime to talk about what does fruitful look like. I mean, I, I smiled at someone today. Was I being fruitful? Probably. Yeah, I mean, if you were letting your joy be evident to all, that is an admonition in Scripture, right? Yeah. I actually divide up fruitfulness, or I categorize or teach fruitfulness in two different ways. There's internal fruitfulness, and there's external fruitfulness. The internal fruitfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. If you abide in Him, if you are connected to Him, if you trust in Him with all of your heart, if you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, if you're if you're uh, uh, storing your treasures up in heaven, uh, fixing your eyes on things above. Look, that you know, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Look at how many ways God tells us, "Hey, here's the one thing I want you to focus on: Me. Mm-hmm. Fix your eyes on Me. And if you do that, if you abide in Me." I will give you love and joy and peace 
and patience and goodness and self-control. That's the internal fruit of the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. I know, Bill, when I I am not fixing my my eyes on him, you know what goes first for me? Patience. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm not a naturally patient person. But when I'm fixing my eyes on him, you know what I I have more of? Patience Hmm. and love and joy and peace and all of the above. So I think that's the internal fruit. Then I think the external fruit is the fruit of good deeds. I think first and foremost is is the good fruit of preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Christ, of sharing our faith, of letting our light shine before men, of proclaiming the truth, of always be prepared to give an account for the hope that is within you, and so on and so forth. Paul says that, pray for me that I might proclaim it boldly as I should. But I think there's so much more fruit. Remember all the one another's in Scripture? You know, pray for one another, Mm -hmm. encourage one another, uh, build each other up, carry each other's burdens, love one another. All of these, I think, are also the fruit of good deeds that are external. And the more internal fruit we have, the more external fruit we will display. Remember Second Peter? If you have these qualities in ever-increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's very cool. We'll take a break when we come back more with Jeff Verdorn as we study Who is This Jesus? We're in part 12. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. back with Jeff Verdorn, and we're talking about fruitfulness. We're talking about the parable of the sower, and Jeff, I think we, we've talked about the last soil, the fourth soil, where it, the seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more mm. than was sown. I like that. I like that payoff. Yeah, that's a pretty productive seed, isn't it? One it seed turning into that multitude. And that's what we are to do. We are to multiply and the, the spread the kingdom uh, until eventually, of course, it's going to fill the whole earth when Christ comes. But he wants more and more and more people to be part of that kingdom. And that's, that is that category of bearing fruit that we talked about first. And that is sharing the gospel, introducing Christ to people. That is a big part of fruitfulness. And God wants us not to to sit on our blessed assurance being seed number two and seed number three. I had a pastor that used to say that phrase. Don't don't sit on your blessed assurance. But get out there and do some things for God's kingdom. Bear fruit in every good work. After all, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, 
But the next verse says what? That we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God wants us to be that fourth seed, that seed that bears fruit in every good work that we do. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be doing the things that he has exhorted us and told us in his word that he wants us to do. And in fact, the next uh, the next passage after this parable in Luke is to let your light shine. And, and that's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So be that fourth seed that's bearing good fruit in every good work. And Jeff, let's talk about fruitfulness some more because in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is therefore not of the body. I mean, we could go on and on, but the idea is there's people that would sit and listen to you teach thinking, well, I can't teach like Jeff can, so what am I going to do? Well, we're not all hands. We're not all ears. We're That's not true. all eyes. Every single person in the body of Christ has a set of unique gifts, a set of unique spiritual gifts that God has given you as the Spirit has determined. So there are times I wish I could sing and worship and be up on a stage like so many people that you know that I listen to, and it would be awesome. But I can't do that. I don't <laughs> have that skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are, there are other people, and and look. Every spiritual gift, whether it's the gift of teaching, whether it's the gift of worshiping and singing, whether it's the gift of encouragement, of, of, of praying and giving and going, all of this is bearing fruit for God. So if you can't do one thing that you wish you could, just remember, we're all individual, unique parts of God's body, gifted in unique and different ways to bear unique fruit for God. So you might be one that maybe can't teach in front of a group of, or a classroom or because you don't like to stand up in front of people and speak. But maybe you have this unique way of comforting someone or encouraging someone. You always just seem to have the right thing to say to comfort somebody in their time of need. I bet you probably have the gift of encouragement and you are bearing fruit for God. Yeah, I wonder how many people call you when they need someone to listen to them because you're that person. Yeah. And you, you've become the, the place where people go when they say, well, I'll call Judy or I'll call Steve because they listen so beautifully and they are empathetic and compassionate. And those are gifts as well. They are. And that's mm-hmm. bearing fruit for God. Maybe you're a, an introvert and you don't have a ton of you know people that you you communicate with or interact with on a, on a regular basis, but you, you, you're a prayer. You just talk to God all day long and you're praying about this and that and this and the other thing all the time. Well, guess what? You are bearing fruit for God. Maybe you're a mass evangelist who goes on TV and proclaims Christ is risen. I just saw Greg Lowry 
uh, on one of his commercials I saw on, on TV the other day, and he's talking about believing in Jesus Christ, and then he's leading people on TV in the sinner's prayer. He's bearing fruit for God, but mm-hmm. not everybody is a Greg Lowry. Not everybody is the encourager. Not everybody is that person who's praying for everything that comes across. So we all have different gifts, and we're all bearing different fruit. Mm-hmm. So it's, I love the the analysis we've done today. If you've missed any of this, I really encourage you to hear it from the start because I know there's going to be people pushing back, Jeff, on some of the teaching today because that's always what happens, right? Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes we have differences of uh, interpretations on how certain things should be seen. Look, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think most theologians believe number one, the first seed, the first number one seed, is an unbeliever. The seed never germinated. I think most theologians believe that the fourth seed is a believer and is bearing fruit for God, and that's right. good. We all agree. It's the second and third seed. Look, and it's if someone believes that the second and third seed are unbelievers, that's fine. This is not major. Look. John 3.16, if we have a difference of opinion on John 3.16, well, then we've got an issue here, right? A difference of opinion of the second and third seed. Eh, We can kick that one aside. But Mm -hmm. I think the picture is clear that this idea, if you don't have fruit, you don't have any root, misses the point that we're saved by faith, not by fruit. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what seed two and seed three have. I think they had faith. They just don't have any fruit. So when churches encourage you to have fruit and to say, what ministry are you, are you going to get involved in? That's not always a bad thing, although it does sometimes, uh, you know, people, it takes a while for them to figure out what gifts they have and how they can use them. Not all gifts, not all fruit fits nicely into the defined ministries of right. a church. I would agree. Right, so you can have you can bear fruit in everyday life in the line at the grocery store um, or wherever. Um, so yes, sometimes we have defined, organized ministries, and those can certainly bear fruit for God. But you can also have a defined, organized ministry within a church that maybe doesn't really bear any fruit for God. And the same is true outside of these defined ministries. You can bear fruit wherever you happen to be planted. Mm-hmm. On the one on the rocky ground, Jeff, in verse 13, it says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. So what about he- uh, hearing something and understanding it, but not placing your faith in a, that situation as well? Yeah, some, some view that second seed as that category that you just described, that uh-huh. they're truly not born again because they, they didn't understand it. They heard but didn't understand. I actually think that, that's why I read that passage from Hebrews, which yeah. I think is so cool. It says the message they heard was useless to them because they did not combine it with faith. And I think that person that you just described is, is falls under the first seed much better than it does under the second seed. Mm-hmm. And we look at the third one, and I think that's one of the easier ones to to see with you're choked by life's worries, riches, mm. and pleasures, and you don't mature. You know, I, my own personal testimony goes something like this, that in high school, I, I was saved. Sometime in junior high, I had a very, I, my mom was very Christian. She had us read 
verses at the dinner table, and she brought me to church, and I went to the youth groups and so on. And I had an active and growing faith throughout high school. In fact, when I was a senior in high school, I was one of the high school graduating high school seniors who was asked to speak about my own faith at our church. And so I had a strong, growing faith. Way to go, Carol. (laughs) That was. That's my mom. Thanks, mom. (laughs) Thanks, mom. And... When I went off to college, I tell people I kind of stuck God in my pocket. And I went about eight, nine years or so where I knew God was still important to me. I knew that I should be going to church. In fact, my mom would say, you know, you should keep coming to church with us, you know, after I graduated from college. And said, I know, I know, I know I I should be doing that. And I even remembered to pray every once in a while. But if you looked at my life... For those eight or nine years, you wouldn't have seen any fruit. No. None. I mean, you know, okay, I maybe had a conversation here or there with a guy, and I (laughs) kind of let a little light shine out from Mm -hmm. underneath the basket, right? But no fruit, really. And then God used actually a lot of things in my life. I got married. I had a child. There's nothing like holding a newborn baby in your hand and saying, Lord, help me raise this child. I went to a Promise Keepers event And a good friend of mine got me involved in a Bible study of the book of John, and I got in the Word again, and I started to grow in faith and maturing in Him. If you are in that period where you are fruitless, God is calling you, drawing you back. He wants you to be fixed on Him, to be studying His Word and growing in the grace and the knowledge of Him. But I'm not—I'd never call myself unsaved during that time. And so just like I would never call any Christian who believes but doesn't have much fruit, I would never call them unsaved either. Mm. Wise. Mm. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for episode number 12 on who is this Jesus. I know we've got a couple more ahead of us, don't we? We do. Next time, by the way, I think I want to do the longest teachings of Jesus. Sermon on the Mount and Olivet Discourse. Correct. Oh. Two for two, Bill. Not bad, huh? Good job. Yeah, well, you told me. (laughs) So thank you so much. That wraps up our show for the day. If you missed any of uh, this hour, I highly recommend heading to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast. And thank you for being here with me today. I've loved it. I hope you have too. I hope you have a wonderful night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.